Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist and his administration spent 2021 firming up new employee contracts, bringing new technology to departments and working on ways to make city government better. We talked with him about those accomplishments as well as getting an update on cannabis legislation. Joining us in the studio today is Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist. Welcome and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Julia. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So first off, we thought we'd start with a look back on 2021, as you recently sent out a release talking about accomplishments that you were able to achieve last year, and it, now it is last year, and uh, some of the things that you talked about were things that you were able to do in the police department. It, basically, there was something for every department. Uh, what would you say was one of the biggest highlights of these accomplishments lists? Well, I, I think there's a lot that we can we can talk about, you know, and, and it's wild to me that we're already into 2022. You know, there were points last year in 2021 that I thought this was going to drag on forever. <laughs> and, and other points where I'm like, wow, how did we move? How did we get here so fast? Uh, but really, we've been just incredibly proud of the work that our departments have done. Uh, we've had a record year in streets and roads projects, including sidewalks, curbs, new road construction. Uh, we had a really incredible year with our police department, especially given the police reform initiative. Uh, we have uh, seen an increase in community engagement from our police department, uh, which we have more officers walking the beat uh, on bikes, being in the community, uh, walking through our schools. Uh, we had a community uh, officer uh, for the first time in a very long time. Uh, and we've really been pushing, uh, trying to integrate with the community. And, and we, th we think that that's gonna show We've seen some early uh, statistics from our uh, crime rates, and we've seen a decrease in some of those. And we're really excited to, as we start to prepare the public safety report for this year, uh, to, um, to talk about that and to show how the more you involve our officers in the community, the, the, the drop that you start to see in some of the, the crimes. Mm -hmm. Is this part of the police reform initiative? Or is that something different? What's going on with that now? So the police reform initiative uh, included several different things that we've heard from the community, um, everything from recruitment efforts to, to training and those types of things. I think it goes hand in hand with it, uh, with the uh, introduction of our new police chief, uh, Tim Jackson. Uh, his focus, uh, along with the administration, has been to make our police department uh, as community-oriented as possible. And uh, he's really done an incredible job uh, trying to make that happen, to get our officers in the community, uh, to make sure that we are hiring people that represent our community, and to focus on training our officers to deal with a wide range of issues that they may experience on the job. Mm -hmm. uh Going along with police, we always talk about fire, and there are some things going on currently that, I mean, there is an ongoing project, but with EMS, there was a lot of changes with uh, bringing on a, a new agreement with All-Star last year, and, or was it, was that... 2000? I'm behind a year to see. This is what COVID does to us. Starts to blend, huh? <laughs> it really does start to blend. But but the billing uh, started this last year. It did, yeah. So one of the biggest things we've had with our fire department uh, was really trying to start to bring that department, for lack of a better term, out of the Stone Ages, right? So many people don't realize that our fire department uh, still uses carbon copied paper to do their reports. Right. Uh, while the rest of the uh, nation has moved to electronic 
billing and electronic platforms. We're we're still working uh, in that method. So it needed an up it needed an upgrade, right? And part of that was also starting to bill for EMS services, right? We've been providing those, and we were providing those at at no cost, uh, which uh, caused a, a loss of funding for the city, right? It cost money to operate those services. Uh, and we don't charge additional money on a tax base. Uh, so we have started uh, EMS billing, which we have seen a, a huge increase in um, funding to help relieve the taxpayers burden on our fire department. Uh, but we're also we also engaged in, as you noted in 2020, a new contract with All Star uh, uh, WCA Ambulance Services, right? Uh, and they were able to um, they've been able to help us uh, in this process. If we have an ambulance go down, they're able to help supply us with another one in the meantime. Uh, they've uh, tried to increase the number of calls, the number of EMTs that they're hiring. Uh, so the city is still a secondary resource for ambulance service because we still need to provide that life-saving medical care to our residents. Uh, but we're able to now bill for that and use that funding to help pay for additional things needed in the fire department, upgrades to our fire equipment, uh, you know, potential new staff members, all of those things can come from this new uh, revenue stream. Right. And it seems like this is something that the the union in the fire department is on board with because I saw it still needs to be approved by council, but the new contract as proposed would add uh, firefighters and another ambulance. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, again, a 2021 accomplishment, right? We've been thrilled to negotiate a union contract uh, with the fire union, which is now up for council's approval. It was tabled at uh, last uh, year's, I guess now, right, uh, council uh, meeting. Uh, but it does uh, it does completely negotiate uh, and put our fire union firefighters under a current contract. Uh, they're about a year behind on the contract right now. Uh, and it also uh, advocates uh, and creates the hiring of four additional firefighters and the introduction of a second ambulance to cover additional calls. Mm -hmm. So uh, when it comes to contracts, I mean, while that one didn't get approved last month, which would have been last year, you did see success with other union contracts in 2021. Absolutely. We've actually settled all the contracts except for uh, police and fire. Uh, fire obviously up uh, and police were hopeful to be able to um, start to bring forward something uh, shortly. Uh, but we uh, we were excited. I think that's a huge deal. Uh, in that 2021, every single union contract, every single bargaining unit was up in the city, covering almost all of the city's employees. Uh, and so to have our negotiating team, uh, which includes our comptroller, our uh, corporation counsel, uh, and myself, uh, to be able to work with every single union uh, to put them under a current contract uh, for the next several years is a huge thing and we're, we're glad to, to do that, to work hand in hand with our employees, uh, which is just you know good employment practices. Mm -hmm. When it comes to those contracts, a lot of times healthcare is a, a sticking point, but you're, you did create a new program last year that kind of gets around, maybe not gets around because it involved union employees in the, in the committee, I know, uh, for the health insurance. Yeah, so we've also been able to do something that we haven't seen in the last I don't know, 35 years, right? Which is um, work to uh, move our uh, Medicare eligible retirees. And to explain that briefly, those are retirees that continue to receive health care for life, 
but also pay for Medicare, which is required after a certain age. So really they're paying almost a double premium, right? And they're getting an additional insurance policy on top of the medical care that they would get from the federal government. So we'd put together a health care committee made up of retirees, active members, council, uh, and others uh, to learn how are these this population using our medical plan? And is there a better plan that can not only save the city money, but also save the retirees money? And that healthcare committee uh, found an opportunity uh, to uh, create a Medicare Advantage plan, which is a, a group plan that still fully covers uh, what they would get under the city's insurance, um, reduces their premium to $0 for the first five years, uh, and then after five years, freezes their premium to what it would be today. So it's a fixed cost after five years, uh, and uh, they get the same type of coverage and insurance. Uh, by moving them off onto a fully funded healthcare plan, um, which is off of the city's self-insured plan, uh, they save a ton of money, right? They save premiums for five years. And if you're on a fixed income as a retiree, that's a huge amount. You know, premiums, uh, although the city on an average insurance policy pays 500 to $600 a month just for one individual, the retiree would often pay about $120 to $150 a month. So to have that removed uh, every month for five years is a huge cost savings. Moving on to another department, uh, we over to summertime, you had uh, held an announcement about uh, the 19A and zombie property law, which is under Department of Development and Housing. And is there any update on, on how that program has gone since you made that announcement about moving forward with uh, addressing those problem properties. Yeah, if you uh, if you and your listeners remember, we actually went in front of uh, had a, a conference, a press conference right in front of one of those houses, uh, and it is a really incredible thing for the city to be moving forward on taking back our own community, our own houses that people are neglecting. Uh, we unfortunately have been moving slow in that process. Uh, as uh, you and probably most of your listeners know, the courts have been relatively open, closed, open, closed. You know, you, you pick a month and maybe they're open, maybe they're closed. Uh, so we've been really dealing with that just like everyone else uh, has been dealing with the, the, the changing of the court system. Um, that process is still in place and we are hoping that we're able to take possession of those properties soon. Uh, but it signals to all of the homeowners in the community, especially new ones buying property, that uh, this type of uh, vacant and dilapidated housing is unacceptable. And we as a city will swoop in to make sure that you know that. Mm -hmm. Housing court, I mean, you referenced it, the fact that it's been open, it's been shot. Last I had checked, they were open. They were still doing like maybe 10 cases a week, once a week, if you were lucky, is it still looking like that's going to be the schedule for 2022? Well, no, we're we're understanding that uh, it will start to pick up, uh, but obviously there is a there is a huge backlog of cases, especially in the Jamestown City Court. Uh, we as a city have tried very hard to help alleviate some of those things. Uh, back in 2021, we actually started the the City Attorney's Office Corporation Council started taking over traffic tickets. Uh, so we have been uh, handling those tickets internally. So it's uh, we can we've cleared up tickets that have actually gone back since the 1980s that have yet to be uh, taken care of. 
Uh, so our team uh, from our corporation counsel's office has been working diligently to remove that backlog from the courts so they can start to focus on the high level, level criminal matters, the housing matters, the civil matters, all the things that there is still a backlog of. Uh, and so it's been working well, and we've been working with the courts to make sure they're, they're, they're chugging in motion and they're getting to where they need to be. And uh, we're, we're hopeful that um, once we have, uh, we now have a new city court judge as well, uh, Judge George Panabianco, who was installed on January 1st. Uh, he's going through new judge school now, so uh, we should have him towards the middle of January officially on the bench. Uh, and we're hoping we'll start to see uh, those cases move a little bit quicker as the courts now are starting to open up more. It's it's important to note that Judge Panabianco was a judge prior, so I think it's kind of, I, I can understand making someone go through judge school again, I just think it's a little funny, but hey, you know, here's a continuing net. <laughs> so. it, it is, you know, and we're, we're excited to have him, and uh, one of the reasons why not only is he a, an excellent attorney in the community and well-respected, but he was a judge before. He was a part-time city court judge, and we needed someone who was able to go in and just help clear that backlog of cases uh, because it's a lot just for one judge, right? I know Judge Lamancuso, who's currently there, uh, having to do all of those is is a lot of work and a huge lift. Uh, and I know Judge Larson was trying his best to try to get through all of that uh, as well. But the cases just continue to go. And to be honest, those judges had to go back and forth with the court system on whether they're open or they're closed this week, right? Or, or last week or whichever week. And it was really uh, a head turning for all of them. And so... Um, we're seeing them open. We're seeing the courts now more prepared than ever to handle the influx of cases uh, with certain COVID protocols. And we're hoping that they start moving through them quickly. Mm -hmm. you, with, you mentioned with the fire department that they've moved to a new digital um, system, but that's not the only move forward in technology that has happened in the last year in city government. Yeah, we've, uh, we've made a lot of changes in technology. It's one of the things actually we promised almost two years ago uh, when I ran for office. Uh, so not only are we looking at new building technologies for the fire department and the fire department itself uh, will soon be fully integrated with the county's uh, E911 and EMS uh, service system, which is great. Uh, but uh, we've also done some uh, other internal uh, building of technology. Uh, we have uh, fully automated tax bills online. Uh, so as folks are looking to pay their tax bills, we had a huge increase of online tax bill payments the first year we did it. Uh, and so we continue to do that again this year. It was wildly successful. Uh, in addition, we've also uh, started to bring together various uh, technology systems under one roof so we can start to look at data in a different way. For example, if you wanted to request, request records from the clerk's office, you used to uh, have to fill out a form and mail it in. Um, that has all now been digital. And so we've seen an increase in FOIL requests. Uh, where we would normally get about 100 in a year, we've now seen about uh, 200 to 250 in a year. So that's a huge increase. Uh, and we've also started to bring all the data under one roof. So uh, we've tracked now the number of times someone calls about a pothole or calls about an issue on their street or a housing complaint so that we can now use data as a city to be proactive in what we do so that we know we may, we may need to start to look at a street because of the number of calls we're getting in on uh, getting in in order to repair it uh, instead of just saying oh well this is slated for repair a couple of years from now um, that is a type of data the, the granular level data that we want as a city to be proactive in our work mm -hmm. is it too early to see kind of 
how that data is going to influence you know future projects or is this still just obviously just started in the last year but has it have you seen anywhere where you've been able to say well you know we've gotten so many calls that we might not have known from all various departments or we're starting to see that but i think you're right we we started this system last year and started moving legacy systems over to it and it's taken a lot longer than we have expected to roll out uh, and so each department is trying to create a new uh you know new process uh, and so that 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 has taken some time so i think we're still a little early on that um, although we have been tracking data, especially in the mayor's office, on the number of calls that we get, uh, and you know where we start seeing some of those issues, so we are we are doing that. But what's been really interesting to me is to watch the integration of our code enforcement and uh, development and our public works department. Right, many people don't realize that oftentimes their work overlaps. And that there's not always a discussion on when a code enforcement officer has been to a house, but so has the, the public works department to deal with the sewage issue, right? Or, or other problems. So for the first time uh, ever, we're gonna be able to have software that integrates both of those departments together. So that if we get a call about a house, we know whether there's been a code enforcement issue, whether there's been a public works issue, um, we're starting to integrate a bit with our our, um, our utility company, whether there has been a shutoff notice. Uh, and even more so, we've started using technology to help us understand when utilities are being shut off in a house because it obviously displaces tenants and people. And so we want to be proactive uh, in that from our development side. Mm-hmm. In terms of any other accomplishments from last year, is there anything I'm missing from this list? Oh, gosh, there's been so much. We've been so excited. Uh, Despite the challenges with COVID, you know, I think one of the things that we didn't put on there is uh, in 2021, we held uh, numerous amounts of vaccine clinics, right, that we opened up to the community. We did them in churches. We did them in city buildings. We went through. Uh, We've been able to uh, help and assist businesses as they started to reopen uh, and uh, get money out the door so that they're able to, uh, to support their work. Uh, and uh, on top of all of this, we brought in $28 million to the city, right? Uh, as well as um, a couple million dollars in grant funding. Uh, and for the first time, uh, we've now brought in a grant writer, uh, which is working on high level grants uh, for the city, both in the federal and the state level. In the past, we often didn't really look at federal grants. They were harder to get. Uh, but uh, now that we have a, a grant writer with years of federal and, and state experience, um, we've been able to connect with uh, new agencies and tap into funding or look at funding that we haven't before. So we're really excited going into 2022. Uh, you know, looking back at 21, we're hoping it's 2022 is uh, uh, you know not just a variant of 2020, I guess, right? To, to lack of a better term. Uh, but I have, sorry, I have to laugh because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but it is true. So this, and this grant writer position, this is the one that's shared with Jamestown Community College. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a shared grant writer with the city and Jamestown Community College, which we thought was a really great fit, uh, to, you know, we both needed a part-time grant writer. And, um, as we're finding out, uh, there are a lot of other grants we can keep applying to, and, uh, we've, uh, kept her very busy. Uh, but uh, it's been awesome to have that relationship with JCC uh, to be able to work together. And it creates an automatic partnership because oftentimes there's grants where JCC or the city might need each other 
as uh, as a partner. Uh, and so this is a really, a really great uh, opportunity for both organizations. Looking ahead, uh, City Council held its organizational meeting Monday night and with two new members sworn in. And so I, I, I hate to use the word, now you're facing a supermajority of Republicans on the council, seeing as how I mean, that the council and the mayor's office administration have seemed to get together and get along fairly well over the last two years, as it may be. But we did see during the budget process what appears to be maybe that majority starting to try to take the reins on some issues they feel are important to them. And do you think this supermajority will impact any of the goals that you hope to accomplish over the next two years? Well, I think that oftentimes uh, the mayor's office and the council have very similar priorities, right? And I know last uh, last night, uh, President Dulce had uh, mentioned some of those priorities, which have been uh, huge things for us as administration, for, for myself as mayor and um, for all of our departments. Uh, being able to get out almost $28 million in American Rescue Plan funds, top priority for all of us, right? Being able to um, help people uh, repair their homes and to provide support in mental health and community issues, right? And housing, uh, being able to uh, address economic development in the city. These are all things that we share uh, both as I as mayor and the city council. Uh, so I've always taken the tact that, you know, it shouldn't matter your party affiliation on who pays uh, for the city paver, right? Uh, but, you know, obviously it does come into play every once in a while. Uh, but I'm very excited to be able to work with um, our new council uh, to be able to express those priorities, um, to understand their priorities as well, right? It's a two-way street. Uh, and I always encourage them to, uh, to call to let me know what those priorities are. Uh, I think one of the things that's really tough with being a nine-member board is that uh, they don't always get a chance to talk together, right? Uh, and to, to express those things. So I really want to always encourage the council members just to share what they're feeling, right? Um, whether we agree or disagree, uh, you know, I think that's that's okay. It's okay to disagree, uh, but I think we should, you know, find a compromise and work together uh, to build a better Jamestown, right? Uh, and so we're always excited to to do that, and I'm always excited to work with a new council because there's an opportunity to get a fresh new perspective uh, that maybe I haven't looked at, right? I guess uh, you know I've been in this position two years now. Some would say after two years you get very jaded. Uh, but I am, I, I still wake up every morning and excited uh, to do this work to help the people of the city of Jamestown, you know, my community, my home. Uh, and I'm even more excited now to have new council members and a new council that wants to do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, with the new year comes new appointments and you did submit a list of um, appointments and reappointments for boards and commissions to council for approval. And those have been tabled for approval at the end of the month. Uh, some of the, one of the things that stuck out to me is that there were uh, three new appointments to the Board of Public Utilities with Council Member Regina Brackman, who's replacing Grant Olson, who's no longer in council, uh, Sean Connor and Sabrina Gustafson. And it appears that they're replacing Greg Rabb and Jim Olson on, on that commission. And had talked to Greg Rabbit in the past and he had mentioned he had hoped to be reappointed, you know, given his past experience, having been president, the chair of the BPU board, city council member, city council president. And I would wonder if you had any comment to why you chose not to reappoint him or Jim Olson. Yeah. So we've, uh, we always look at all of the appointments on the BPU board as well as every other board and commission uh, and whether we're going to reappoint someone, right? Reappointment is not a, uh, it's not a given. 
Uh, in fact, we ask all uh, reappointments uh, to um, fill out a new application uh, because we want to relearn about some of the things they've done in the last uh, several years. Um, both uh, Greg and uh, Jim have uh, been incredible at the work that they have done. And I, I uh, reached out and I commended both of them uh, for their service and the work that they have done. Uh, but uh, for the BPU board, we are looking to provide some additional diversity uh, and some, uh, some fresh ideas, right? And uh, we were looking at um, different voices uh, to be able to put on that board. Uh, and that's how we put in who we put in, right? Uh, and, I, and I don't think it's a bad idea. It's not a bad idea, and I, and I want to reiterate this, it's not a bad idea to shake up the boards and commissions that we have in the city. Uh, because if we um, keep the same people for too long, uh, it becomes a problem, right? It, uh, we end up, we have a lot of experience, but we don't have a lot of new ideas. Uh, and that's what we're looking for as we try to move the city forward. Um, and in, it is nothing against uh, either Greg or Jim. Uh, it's we had uh, new people that wanted to lend their voice in a different way that represent a completely different part of our community. Uh, and I saw that as an opportunity uh, to give them that voice uh, because I, I want every part, every pocket of our community to be represented in the work we do as a city. When you talk about uh, elections and that, we, we, one of the things that's happening kind of on the outskirts is this redistricting where we've had the census for 2020 and now we're, we're seeing at the state level the redistricting process go along i kind of like to say wobbling along because <laughs> as we know yesterday which well i should say monday this will air on thursday but uh that the uh the independent redistricting commission has submitted two plans to the state for their recommendations for congress uh state senate and assembly is there anything locally that is happening right now with in terms of the redistricting of city council wards um, or if anything you've heard on the county legislative side so i haven't heard anything on the county legislative side uh, but last year we uh, i sent a letter uh, to the board of elections uh, just letting them know uh, connecting them uh, to let them know that we're going to be starting our redistricting process here in the city because uh, we want to make sure we're all on the same page for that uh, the city uh, charter uh, actually provides a, a mechanism for uh, reapportionment of our wards. Uh, so January 1st, a uh, letter goes out to all of the different political committees uh, and different organizations that are a part of the city's reapportionment committee or redistricting committee. Um, that includes members of the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the Conservative Party, uh, as well as um, the Jamestown Bar Association, um, the city council president, city council gets some appointments to that board, the mayor gets some appointments to the board. So it comes together as one big uh, group and they will then start to look at the census data and information and see how we adjust and reapportion each of those wards in conjunction with the board of election as they have to pick polling sites and other, and other areas. Uh, so we're really excited to start that process. The um, city clerk and the uh, city uh, um, corporation council uh, are also on that board. And so they help lead uh, that board in conjunction with the folks that are appointed on that. Uh, and so they've already sent out the, the letters requiring and asking for those appointments. So those should be coming uh, in, within the next month or two. I believe everyone needs to be installed by either February or March. And I apologize for the exact date. Uh, but uh, we'll start that process. We start that process now. Uh, and I have not heard on the county side uh, how the um, reapportionment will go. Uh, but from the state side, 
you know, we were hoping that the independent uh, commission, redistricting commission, would make a decision, but uh, they split on a 5-5 vote on the maps. So it'll go to the legislature uh, to ultimately uh, redraw uh, some of those maps. Uh, I, I was actually taking a look at them last night, the statewide maps, and uh, they're both very interesting because they put Jamestown in a, uh, a really special spot. Uh, one map, uh, you know, kind of puts us as the largest city in the in the district, uh, and just kind of adds some of the rural areas to it. Uh, another map puts us in with Binghamton, right? Uh, and so two large cities in one very long district. Uh, so it's it's going to be a an interesting thing to watch what the legislature ultimately does, whether they adopt a map or whether they redraw a map. Uh, which they very well could, whether there'll be court challenges. Uh, I'm assuming there probably will be some court challenges to this. Uh, that's what happened with our last time that we were looking to redraw this uh, state lines. But it's very one thing is very clear. New York has lost population. Uh, so, so things, uh, the city, same way, we've lost population. Uh, so th lines are going to have to be redrawn in order to ensure that we have an adequate number of people in each district represented. Mm -hmm. And we were uh, looking at, Jason and Sample and I were looking at the maps ourselves very, we haven't had much time to really analyze and get down, but we, one thing that really stuck out is that Ithaca was in Tompkins County was taken out of both the proposed maps by the Democrats and Republicans on that the statewide commission. So that, that was definitely an interesting thing to see and to see, you know, where, you know, to see Jamestown as the only large city in the, in the Democrats map where they added on, you know, parts of Southern Erie County, which and then, you know, and then the Republicans were the ones who had the Binghamton in with the district. So, but I think what surprised me with both maps is how they essentially were the same district that we have now in terms of Chautauqua, Cattaraugus, Allegheny, where there had been some speculation on whether or not Chautauqua would be lumped in with the rest of Western New York and back in with the old district that existed over 10 years ago at this point. So. Yeah, and I, and I would not be surprised if uh, we wouldn't if we don't also see a completely different map from the legislature, right? Uh, I know the independent uh, redistricting committee tried very hard to make a map that was fair to everyone that also listened to uh, constituents, but obviously they they could not even agree. Uh, and so what often happens is once the legislature gets involved, they have a much different plan uh, for how that might look. Uh, and so we'll see how it goes, right? We're, we're not sure. I think there's, you know, uh, what's the what's the best phrase at the end of the year? Put a pin in it and wait till next year, right? Well, I guess we'll have to wait until uh, later in this year to see uh, what the, the large unveiling will be of the new uh, statewide and congressional lines. Mm -hmm. Also, I would be remiss now that we've passed December 31st to not bring up marijuana. As, as the year ended, Jamestown is, did not opt out like unlike other communities around us. So as far as we know, things are moving forward. So have you heard anything from New York State on what's next? Because last, well, when it originally was proposed, April was supposed to be you know the big month for everything to start happening. Is that still the case? Have you heard? Well, I know that the uh, control board, which is issuing regulations, uh, we're looking at uh, trying to put out regulations shortly after the first of the year. We've not yet seen them, and we really haven't heard whether they're going to do that. Uh, there's typically a 90-day comment period that occurs with any type of state regulation. So if they do put that out sometime in January, then it, it is possible that you know April might be an opportunity to get things going. 
but we're you know we're we're hopeful that they continue to do that work. I do know, having talked to um, various staff members up at the cannabis uh, control board, that they are working pretty hard to get regulations in place uh, and to really try to be a leader nationwide in the cannabis rollout. New York is in a unique position where it has an opportunity to look at the successes and the challenges from many other states, right? Uh, especially California, which is seeing a lot of challenges now as they cycle through kind of their next uh, their their next uh, decade of work in this field. Uh, but New York is trying very hard to be a leader in it and uh, to make sure that their regulations are correct from the start. Uh, I think there's going to have to be some adjustment along the way, but. Uh, you know, we're hoping that we'll start seeing regulations soon. I wish I had a date for you. I, I don't. Uh, but uh, as you noted, the city did not opt out uh, of the cannabis uh, on-site consumption and dispensary. Um, we do have uh, several lined up uh, for that are ready to apply for the license. Um, we also have, as a city, have been working very hard to create uh, what we often call a cluster economy here. So uh, an economy created just for the um, uh, cultivation, the harvesting, the production, and the growth of uh, cannabis uh, that could be shipped across New York State. So it can be grown here, produced here, cultivated here, uh, packaged, tested here. We're trying to bring all those ancillary agencies, ancillary services under, under um, I don't wanna say one roof, but under a couple roofs here in the city. Uh, we've been working very hard and we've been able to attract Everything from large-scale growing operations that have purchased large factory buildings already here in the city uh, to uh, smaller co-ops that would like to uh, bring together different farmers, different ventures uh, in order to do everything under one place. Uh, so we're excited as the regulations start to come out. We'll start to announce some of the some of these uh, these businesses and these opportunities. Uh, but in the in the background, the city has been working um, uh, feverishly to try to get things together so that we are able to create an economy, increase the tax dollars, and more importantly, find organizations that are gonna bring jobs here and good quality jobs. And that's what we've been doing. Is there anything else that you'd like to add for this month? Happy New Year. Uh, you know, I hope everyone has a, has a safe and happy New Year. Um, uh, be on the lookout, I would say, for uh, more information uh, from the city in terms of uh, COVID test kits, masks, uh, distribution, uh, booster uh, clinics. We've really been doubling down or trying to double down on how we as a city can be better at providing uh, public health. I know it's typically, a, it's a function of the county uh, in, their, in their health department, but we wanna be supportive in that. Uh, so we'll be putting out some more information uh, shortly about uh, being able to make sure that our residents are able to get those kits that are able to uh, test, wear masks, this is a tough time uh, for everyone as we get through the end of the holidays, uh, but we're going to get through together and uh, we're going to come out on the other side. Mayor Sunquist, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Julia.